Ciao bello, and welcome to Game On, presented by No Tokens Required. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Caleb. And today we are talking about Assassin's Creed 2, developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft. And Caleb, I'm just going to start by asking you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited were you for this game, and why is it a 10? And why? <laughs> wow. I, don't, I, I guess I don't get a choice. <laughs> the reason why it's a 10... No, it really is a 10. Um, and the reason why is after playing the first one, which came out, of, what, a couple of years before? Yeah, a couple of years before this one. Yeah. I was really intrigued by it. But mostly it was it was the trailer. And then they also did a live action like movie for this game. Oh, did they? Yeah. I didn't know that. I watched it a couple of times and it doesn't it doesn't really specify who people are or what's going on, but all you see is this assassin who's hunting his target and you can definitely tell that this takes place in Italy. Okay. Timeline is a little rough, but definitely I would say probably during the Renaissance time period in the movie, like just from what you can tell later to find out. Yes. It was in the Renaissance, <laughs> late 15th century type deal. But yeah, he's hunting his target. He goes through this whole thing, kills his target, and then he has to escape. And it was a really cool movie, but mostly it was because it was in Italy. Mm -hmm. And it was during that time period. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> right? Especially after finding out that the first one, so many of the things in it um, had actual historical historical accuracy to it let's put it that way okay and so i was really excited about that and, and the fact of like okay well what are what are they going to do here mm -hmm. so like i i got i got pretty excited about it and i was i was waiting for the release of it like it was you you weren't wrong it was definitely a 10 <laughs> but that's just because there's only a few places in this world outside of you know, where I live, which we all, I think we all fantasize about going and visiting other places and seeing other things. But mm -hmm. Italy is one of those cultures. There is so much that has happened in Italy that is historically relevant. I cannot say this word. Relevant? Relevant! <laughs> historically relevant to us nowadays, mm -hmm. right? That Italy has always been one of those places where I'm like, man, I... I have to visit this place. I want to visit this place. <laughs> and I just love everything that happened there. The, to the language, to just the way the people are, the yeah. culture, all of it. And I was so excited to get to kind of play through that. And then on top of it to see where Desmond ends up, mm -hmm. right? Like the first game leaves you hanging. Yeah. And... The, here here's the second here's here's our chance to pick it up and continue with it and i was really excited about that yeah what about yourself i had a, a similar I'm, I'm guessing it's a 10 uh, oh yeah no, oh, <laughs> absolutely i mean i remember reading the articles about how the developers actually went to some of the locations in the game and they were sketching things and they were trying to make sure the game was going to be one-to-one -one scale um and this is all just about the setting right because it's yeah you're right it's taking place in italy during the renaissance and then the other thing I was looking forward to were the actual gameplay changes. You know, we knew that mm -hmm. you were going to meet some iconic figures of the time. They had started talking about the dual assassination ability that you would have. You would have two blades instead of one, like in the first game. And so, yeah, there was a well, lot Well, and of it got into more of the uh, free flow combat, right? Yeah. Like, 
in the first game, your sidearm of a short sword, it was used mainly to defend yourself while you tried to flee. It yeah. wasn't mainly used as a, hey, here is a good combat combat mechanic that allows you to defend yourself and attack and, and utilize these different things. Yeah. Where in this one, they were really pushing like, hey, now you actually like, no, this this is it. Like, you're not just stab and run away. There are times where you're going to have to go toe-to-toe yeah. with some of these people. And, yeah, I, I was a little bit looking more more forward to that kind of stuff because I, I still feel like at the time period in which this game came out, there wasn't a whole lot of that around. Mm-hmm. No, I remember seeing one of the things you could do, and we'll get more into it later, but the ability to pick up other people's weapons. That was something that was they... Was that in this one? Mm-hmm. You could pick I thought up... that might have been in a later one, so I didn't want to sound, say anything <laughs> that sound foolish, but I do remember being able to do that. In fact, there's actually... And it may actually be this game in which there is one challenge to this day, the achievement, because yeah. I'm an achievement hunter, that I couldn't complete because of that. Like, you had to pick up, like, a pole arm or something and sweep three soldiers at the same time or something I, I could never yeah. accomplish it yeah it was... there was a lot of stuff like that about um yeah being able to use the stuff that's actually around you now yeah. it, it didn't get into you know like environmental stuff you know you couldn't that that came later I, but I remember the parkour system and it still being really oh yeah phenomenal. no I'm talking about you know in when we talk about Assassin's Creed 3 we'll talk about it a little bit more but like you could you know there were like tables that you could like hit people's oh, heads against and stuff yeah you know yeah, there wasn't finishing, anything they had those were finishing moves yeah though, in Assassin's Creed 3 something like that yeah but in this one it was more about the right because like you said you know you had your short sword your dagger your throwing knives and your assassin's blade. And then in this one, they said, you're going to have a whole plethora of more of things in your arsenal that you can use. And just knowing that that was the direction that they were going and speaking about the direction, the, also the plot, right? I mean, the plot of this boiled down to its reader's digest version of it is Desmond miles is going to learn how to be an assassin by reliving the memories of somebody who learned how to be an assassin. Yeah. And I, I don't remember ever really seeing that or reading about it like i was not a big person and, and still kind of am not to this day of mm-hmm. uh, looking into a lot about a game before it comes out i like the surprise i like the hey look how beautiful this is and i know like when you watch a gameplay trailer it's not as beautiful as the game especially if you've got top of the line equipment you know yeah. like Granted, back then, I don't think 4K televisions were a thing and stuff, but HD was. Mm -hmm. If you were just watching the trailer on a normal computer monitor or TV screen, even if you were watching it on HD, they dumbed it down for it. So, like, I I tried to stay away from a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't know. I I didn't know about the storyline until I got into it. But I I do admit, like, I did like that aspect. But it does kind of go against what I felt Desmond was in the first game. Mm-hmm. And and we can get into that, of course, when we start breaking those aspects down. It For me, it was mainly the, I'm in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get to run around Italy. You can swim now. 
that was the coolest thing to me. Well, water. Just yeah. water in general. I don't think water was in the first game well, outside of like the little wells and shit. Actually, I, there are two things I remember about the first one that I don't think we touched on in that podcast. But one, there is an assassination machine where you have to jump on you know these poles sticking out of the water to get to a guy on a ship. Oh. And they even... Yep. As soon as you said that, it... You remembered. Boop. Yep. Um, and then even they even said something... I don't remember exactly where I saw it, but they said something about, yes, this super badass trained assassin never learned to swim, which is why when you jumped in the water in the first one, you desynchronized. They changed that with this one. In all fairness, though, at the time period in the area that they were in, it wasn't an uncommon thing to not know how to swim. Yeah. So I, I will give it that. It wasn't one of those like, oh, this is completely you know, unlogical. Like mm. I know a lot of people play those games and like you fall in the water and then you drown and you're like, are you telling me that this ultra soldier person doesn't know how to swim? What the hell? Mm. And it like, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. For the gameplay. Well, and let's, let's think of it this way, right? At the end of the day, it's still a video game and swimming mechanics at the time. were kind of probably kind of hard to fit in, especially with that idea of, we just want this to be a guy running around doing assassiny stuff. Why would swimming come into it? Because you didn't build anything around it. Here, when you're in Venice and you have all those canals all over the place, swimming becomes an important part. Well, oh, absolutely. If you were, I could only imagine, if you were required to stay above ground during that whole thing, especially in Venice, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how many times I was trying to do something and I jumped into the water. Like, if that was an end game desynchronization moment, I would have been so pissed. Yeah, it would have been way more frustrating. It would have been because. They're fucking everywhere. It's, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's kind of hard not to. Because even though the parkour system was advanced or more advanced than the first one, it still had its issues. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm trying to do this, and the game instead, like, jumps me up to the wall. But instead of grabbing onto the ledge, I push off of it and jump into the water behind me. And yeah. it's like, no. It's Yeah, it's the, no. <laughs> the contextual leap of faith. That's not what they mean by leap of faith in these games. Yeah. But more the, oh, please go to where I want you to go. Please grab the ledge. Please (laughs) grab the ledge. There was a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I I will say there was a lot of that. There was a fair share amount of glitches when this game came out. And some of them got fixed. And and some of them, I I don't know. Since at the time of this recording, they have released a like deluxe collector's edition of... Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood and Revelations, all inside of it. And they've, you know, they've gone with the the fan name of the Ezio trilogy. Because I don't think Ubisoft itself has ever actually come out up until this point and said, this is the Ezio trilogy. It was just fans were like, well, you play Ezio through all three of them. Ezio yeah. trilogy, like, hey, <laughs> I think, we're not dumb. I think I just downloaded the Ezio collection on my Xbox One, which is, yeah, this one, Brotherhood and Revelations. Hey guys, just want to give you a heads up. From here on out, there's a ton of spoilers. Listen at your discretion. With that, why don't we go ahead and get into a bit about the plot? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because to me, I think the plot was more important in this game than really actually the the gameplay style and everything like that. Because, you know, of course, you actually start off as Desmond. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and in the previous game, you're escaping the facility with Lucy, yep. who has revealed herself to be basically like a double agent, right? Yeah. And so she's like, hey, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> and you, you're escaping, and you're actually having to use some of the basic assassin techniques to begin with. 
and I guess this was the part where I, I, I really actually kind of got confused as to why they wanted him to re-go through, like, Ezio's beginning. Mm-hmm. Because I very much got the feel in the first game that Desmond, well, we already know. He was born into the Assassin Brotherhood. Like, right. he is the child of two assassins. Now, his mom died years ago on an assassin mission. His dad was still alive somewhere, or, like, I, I think is the unknown. We find out later he was still alive. Desmond basically went, I don't want anything to do with this, but I always got the feeling that he knew. He, like, he was trained to be an assassin. He grew up in that assassin-type mm-hmm. way. So for him to have to, like go back and learn how to be an assassin. It felt a little out of place for me, especially since she hands him a hidden blade and goes, okay, we're going to, we're going to escape this place. And there's, you, you have to escape your basically warning lights go off and the whole nine yards. And I remember this part where I'm going through cubicles, like running in between cubicles, dodging soldiers and stuff like that to stay hidden because if you alert one of them, even if it was to kill them, Mm -hmm. you desynced. And, like, the whole purpose was you to get out without, like, killing anyone. Okay. And, like, because there was a lot of, like, running and then jumping and then some, like, parkour stuff and then, like, oh, I have to do some stealthy stuff and then, boom, I'm outside Mm -hmm. and I'm being loaded up into this van. Right. And driven away, and I'm basically like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> and that's how Desmond was. Was like, "Okay, what? Well, what? What now?" And mm. they're like, "Well, we need you still. Yeah, we, we need your help." I think by that point, because of the stuff that happened to him in the first game, he was kind of like, "All right, what do you need me to do?" Yeah, like I'm, I'm in. Here, all my dice. Like, I'm, I'm all in. They're like, "We're gonna go to a location. We have our own animus." And we're gonna we're gonna load you up, we're gonna load you up into one of, one of your ancestors, Ezio Auditori, and you're gonna start off young, right? And yep. I, I may be wrong, but I vaguely remember, like when they first load you up, there's this little gimmick about you you're you're basically being born. Like, oh no, you're right. Like yeah, and they're like whoop. Too far yeah, back. Go too far back. Bring it forward. Bring it forward. We don't need to start there. I re- no, yeah. I remember that too. Like, and it was funny because it was like he's he's reliving the memory of his ancestor coming out of the womb. Yeah. Like, fuck. There was a bright light and a man in a white suit. And, and he smacked me, and I don't know why. I, don't I was know very why. upset. It was cold. It was so cold. You jump to the point where he's sixteen, and he's a hoodlum. Yeah. It, like straight up the full-fledged definition of a hoodlum. He is a part of the upper class in Italy and his family is very well-known and wealthy. Yep. He's got a mom, dad, older brother and a younger brother, I believe. I I'm pretty sure one older, one younger. You start off with basically like he gets in a street fight with another person over a girl. Yep. And that's when you learn the sword fighting and then some of the some of the parkour aspects mm-hmm. from that you you go from there right like that was one day and they're like okay you learned you learned how to climb you learned how to jump you learned how to escape because like you have this street fight and of course the guards break it up yeah and you're like oh shit i got to get the fuck out of here they know who you are mm-hmm. they're calling your name yeah. <laughs> as you run from them but you're still like i got to flee yep. you get home and your dad's like Come on, dude. I told you to knock this shit off. Mm-hmm. Right? 
you got to stop doing this. You got to stop drawing attention to us. I just had to have another talk with the guards. Like, enough's enough, right? And you and your dad kind of have a little bit of an argument. Mm-hmm. And I remember you leaving the house. Yeah, you go to, I don't remember her name, but you go to this woman's place. Yeah. This girl's place. And then the next day, you're woken up with basically this alert that your father and brothers are being hanged for treason. Yeah, they were arrested. Yeah, and so you go to try and save them. Mm -hmm. And you can't. You you fail. You end up watching your your family. Well, because you go visit them in the prison tower, and that's when your dad is like, go to my office and go to the hidden back room. Yeah, this is how you get in. Okay, now I'm remembering. Yeah. Yeah. Even then, you're, you're just, you're too late. They get hung. Yeah. And you're basically like, motherfuckers. Yep. Um, Story of revenge. And that's that's basically how it starts. Like, I I want to say at that point, you actually kill, I think you kill the guy that hung your, your like the, because it was um, a magistrate that, yeah. that was like, hang them, hang them until their, you know, their feet stop kicking. Yeah. And I think you kill him. And then you basically have to flee mm-hmm. because, like, your full-fledged revenge kicks in and you grab your mother and sister who aren't dead. Yeah. You flee to Monteriginoni? Rigioni? Yeah. I'm going to be terrible. I like Italian <laughs> names. As much as I love this place, there are some Italian names that I am not good at. Yeah. But there... I, I think you meet the best character of all. I can't. Right? I can't believe like, they did this. It, One of the most iconic moments in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, you meet your uncle. Yeah. What's his name? <laughs> his name is Mario. And literally, literally, know. when he walks in, he's like, "It's a me, a Mario." <laughs> and you're just like face palm. <gasps> like I can't believe they went. Oh there. my god! But you're you're. From what I got the feel of, you're living at his estate now. And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to figure out what happened. I'm trying, like, you should be safe here. Yeah. Because um, he tells you that that Ezio's father was part of the assassins. That's what you find in that back room is his assa- assassin, assassin outfit. Yeah. Um, he tells you that, you know, yeah, Which, we, we are a part of the assassin order. And now you are going to learn how to be an assassin to exact revenge against the people who who were, are responsible for your father and brothers. I remember him kind of being reluctant at first until you basically like go, look, hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Either you can help me and make sure that I don't die or you cannot and basically leave it to the fates. Mm-hmm. And your uncle's just like, fine, fuck it. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Let's let's teach you. Mm-hmm. And you do. Like, you start going through learning the basics of being an assassin, which yeah. some of your, of course, street hoodlumness helps with. The parkour, yeah. the, 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 the fighting. basic fighting, and everything like that. Because unlike, unlike in the first game, you actually use swords that are relevant to you in the timeline, mm-hmm. right? Like, they had long swords, they had rapiers, they had pole arms... And they, big battle axes halberds yeah halberds and everything like that right you of course your main is a rapier mm-hmm. like it's a very stylish rapier of course but is this the one in which you could change your the equipped longsword i think I, it was i was just thinking i have a i'm pretty sure you can change this like the look of it it was a cosmetic yeah. thing you could change the different weapons you carried 
it wasn't necessary. I don't think there were necessarily stat changes that came with it. No, I mean, um, I remember them having like some were faster than others. Some did more damage, but were slower and that kind of thing, but not, but overall, yeah, it was, it overall was the same, was, yeah, just, same type of thing. It was adding customization and for, you know, people like me, I really like that sort of aspect. So I think they just kind of threw it, it in. Yeah. There, it know? makes it a little bit more personal. But and on top of that, like to me, his so throughout the rest of the game, he maintains basically his father's assassin's outfit, right? Mm-hmm. Which I love it. I think it's the best assassin's outfit out of all the assassin's outfits. Not only one is it very, very good with the timeline, the half cape that he has over his shoulder, mm-hmm. the flares in the collar, but it does go against what the original assassin's outfit was for. Right. right. The original assassin's outfit. It was to help blend in with the the monks of the, the time monks. Yeah. yeah, and this not not so much. Yeah, no, didn't necessarily stand out in crowds either. Right. I don't feel like like oh here I am hiding in a bunch of amongst a bunch of people because this one really incorporated the like in the first game you could only hide amongst the monks Mm -hmm. in this one you can hide in any group group of people you would immediately blend in yeah if it was a big enough group you would would turn like gray and that would make it so you couldn't be seen yeah which it it was just a gameplay mechanic to basically show you hey you're you're blended yeah Mm. and then and also instead of the wandering monks like in the first one this time they had the courtesans yeah that's part of it is that in learning how to be an assassin it's all well, and he's kind of a player. Well, yeah, but I mean, in the in the story, right? It's about learn to make friends and use the other people in this order. And one of them is like the you know the madam of the courtesans, and she's like, if you help us, we'll help you. And yeah, gameplay wise, you can go up to them, you can hire them, and they'll follow you around, and they'll they'll help you blend, or you can send them off to distract guards. I don't remember doing that. In yeah, game. you could because I you could have four and they would all be around you. And then if you looked at a guard, you could push a button and they would like go two, and distract two would break off and go and kind of talk with them and flirt with them and stuff. And then, I, yeah, you can sneak around <laughs> for those of you who can't see he's sitting here doing this little cortisone dance. Yeah. And it's not it's it's bad. Yeah. It's um, bad. Um, but yeah. And well, then and then there was also the fighters. You could. I think you could hire like See, brawlers, and I, I remember doing right? that in Brotherhood, not this one. But I, not to say that you couldn't do it in this one. I just don't remember being able to do that in this one because this one was more about like he was a player, and you could you you could um, interact with a lot of women of ill repute in this game and, and do stuff like that. Like you would hide amongst them and stuff. And I, I vaguely remember being able to pay for them, but not necessarily the fighters. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the fighters came with brotherhood either way. Like you then basically start trying to figure out who all was in this plot to kill your father because mm-hmm. you, you, you find out, they find out that he was an assassin. The enemy of the assassins, of course, is the Templars and the guy, the magistrate was a Templar and of course he had a whole slew of people it wouldn't make a game unless if it was a slew yep a whole slew of people that he had to then go after and kill throughout the storyline you you end up going to a lot of places in italy like i i want to say you start off in florence but you end up going into forli and venice even vatican city and then of course the reason why i'm listing this last is cuz i can't say the damn name <laughs> san gimigano 
we're going with that. Yeah. Sorry for any Italians out there listening. I really, really apologize. If you could give me a free Italian lesson, I wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> but you, you end up traveling to all these cities. And of course, as you're going from city to city to city, you start meeting contacts that are also assassins um, to help you. And they're, they're all kind of training you in their own little way. And like one of the things that I love about the Assassin's Creed series is, of course, they introduce characters of historical worth yeah and i think this is one of the major talking points because it really started here where it was let's bring in real people from the past and the time period and i think they grabbed that and they held on to it a little too tightly for the rest of the games in my opinion oh see and i feel like they did in the first one but those who don't know about the crusades and all of that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't recognize the names right that was in the first one it was very specific where Mm. in this one if you, honest to God, don't recognize this name, did you live under a rock? Yeah. Everybody like, should know who Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci yeah. is. And that's <laughs> the person that you meet. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing. Like, I don't, I think they hit bigger names. They were hitting time periods in which they could be like, everybody knows who this is. Yeah. Boom. Because let's get real here. Not everybody knows Pope Alexander the Sixth, Right. Right. Yeah. And like what he did, that his name was actually rodrigo borgia and everything like people don't know that so when you first meet him and he's like rodrigo borgia and mm-hmm. i was like oh my god <laughs> you know the the girlfriend that i had at the time was like who the hell is that <laughs> i was like he became the pope for a period of time like yeah it's kind of funny like <laughs> like I'm, I'm pretty sure catholics are gonna be really pissed because mm-hmm. of course he's the bad guy right in the game he's the bad guy yeah. right it's a matter of perception of who or perspective sorry mm-hmm. who is the the true bad guys in these games the assassins or the templars right but yeah you you find out he's basically the grand master known as the spaniard because at the time that this is the beginning of this he's not the pope yet he's he's working towards becoming that but he's not the Pope yet. Yeah. You you go through and you meet these people, right? We discussed Leonardo da Vinci. There's Nicola... Machiavelli. Machiavelli, thank you. You're welcome. That he also comes across. Honestly, like, Machiavelli, diplomat, philosopher, writer, right? Like, there's a lot... It, like, the name might sound familiar to you, but it's mainly for those who were kind of into that time period that are going to know Machiavelli. Yeah. But da Vinci... Like, yeah. come on, Da Vinci's... And he's such a... Like, I honestly don't remember Machiavelli much in the game. I don't remember... I don't remember him much I in don't the game really either. Remember... I know more about him outside <laughs> yeah. than I do in the game. But... Well, like, because I don't remember him contributing much. Because, again, right, Leonardo Da Vinci... Go ahead. What, oh, I was no, just going to say. Sorry, go ahead. No, so, yeah, Leonardo Da Vinci, right, he is the one who... You go to him and he does all of your weapon upgrades, yep. right? He is the one who is giving you your new equipment. Yep. Like, I just remember... You're, you're running missions for yeah, him. You, you, have, you have actually, like, philosophical conversations with him about revenge. Isn't there a whole scene where you and him are escaping, like, on a cart? Mm-hmm. Like a horse-drawn cart, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember Machiavelli at all. Like, I don't remember him contributing anything to the game. And it could just be because I, it's been so long. You but... ran a couple of missions for him. Yeah. Is basically what you do. Because, again, he was he was a diplomat. So he's going up against some of these other diplomatic 
Maybe that's what Templars, it was. Yeah. because you basically find out. Let me let me see. Um, the Templars that you're going after um, are over a slew: politicians, bankers, mercenaries, merchants, and they're all aligned with the Pazi and Barbagola, Barbago, Barbagio, Barbagio. Thank you. Families, right? And so, like, I think he more along the lines came in of like, "Hey, here's this politician. This is what's going on." Yeah. Like. Here's my information on him. You mm. need to go and eliminate this fool so yeah. that I can kind of help help progress Italy, right? Yeah, and that would make sense, right? He's where, more the political side where Leo's more the arts. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but you you definitely befriend Da Vinci. Yeah, because I'm not going to be as informal as to call him Leo. <laughs> you know, mainly because I'm not Italian, right? Like I can't, I can't do actually. I, I did one of those genealogy things. I think I do have quite a bit of Italian in me. Da Vinci, you you truly befriend. Mm -hmm. Like, to the extent of, when we were talking about this preparing for the podcast, you you actually brought this up, right? What does he do when you get your hidden blade? Oh, right. So I love that part because, yeah, you take him to schematics, and then he's like, okay, so yeah, so I made the hidden blade, but to make it work effectively, we have to take off your ring finger on your left hand, right? And Ezio is like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do it. And he puts his hand on the table and then you hear, boom, and he looks down and he still has his ring finger. And Leonardo da Vinci's like, haha, just kidding. I modified it so you don't have to lose your finger. Oh yeah, by the way, here's a second one. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't remember you getting the second one like right away. No, it wasn't right but away. But through the story, you, you end up getting two of them because they do introduce the dual assassinations one which, of the best things they ever introduced it was so cool so cool so cool and and actually in fact i think when we get on to the revelations right i think they actually ruined the second hidden blade for me in revelations with what <laughs> they did with that one but yeah but the, throughout it like you stay close friends mm -hmm. with da vinci so that's why i think he's more memorable in the game but what i was what i was pausing for right like when you were like what and this was the game where they introduced a basically like a codex, mm -hmm. right? You could go in and you could look and you could read about all of these people that you're meeting and like their actual historical history and who they were yeah. and what they did and all that, like their life from birth to death, basically. And not just people, but the places too. Yeah. Big structures of important note. I mean, they're just cities, structures, all of yeah, it. Yeah, tons of information to glean from that. I thought that was really cool. So, like, if you didn't know history, mm -hmm. you could you could learn it. Yeah. You know? I thought that was really cool for them to add in the game. Like, somebody took the time to do that. Because, mm -hmm. like, they had to do research. We're not talking about they just went to Wikipedia. No. <laughs> and went copy-paste. Right? Yeah. Like, somebody had to do research and actually, like, write this up. That was incredible to me. Yeah. Like, the detail in it, everything that you could learn. Like, even, like, reading about Da Vinci, which is kind of a very well-known person, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you meet him, he's not an old man. No. He's not. Let's no. let's, let's make that clear now. Yeah. He, he's very young. He's actually kind of close to your age, I would say, in, in as far as in the game goes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, they, they definitely don't portray him as the, you know, as the old wise saint renaissance man he's playing jokes yeah he's like yeah he's and he's it's, it's funny it's 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 like he's a startup almost it's kind of like right after he got a little bit famous i think if i remember correctly 
you know, I, I definitely feel like there was a, an attempt to make him more relatable and not, you know, you didn't want to meet the myth. You wanted to meet the man. And so I was really glad that they um, went with this more human kind of approach and not made him just this wisely saint kind of person. Right. And like, you do age with him though, because in the mm. later games, he of course comes back. He's still modifying your equipment yeah. and everything <laughs> like that, which I thought was really cool. Um, and you do age with him and you see that progression into that wise man. Yeah. But there was, there was a lot of little aspects about this game that I really liked. Like uh, you medicine, mm -hmm. right? Like this was one where, because the, they updated a lot of things, right? Right. They updated your weaponry. They updated the combat system. They updated your, uh, the parkour. Mm -hmm. And along with those things came different items like we were discussing. Right. So in it, you had, your longsword. Yep. Hidden blades. You had a crossbow. Yeah. Crossbow, which you made the comment. It, it was originally supposed to be in the first game. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool that they actually brought it into the second one. Mm -hmm. You still had your hidden knives, though. Mm -hmm. Like your hidden throwing knives. You had poison and smoke bombs. And didn't later on you get a gun? Like a, like a little hidden pistol? Yeah, eventually you get a gun. Yeah. God, I hate that. <laughs> it's so not fair. And it's very unassassin like bang yeah i'm right here folks yeah oh. and i just shot him super hidden <laughs> no granted there were so, there were a lot of funny things because the game did like it was broken in in certain ways like i remember assassinating somebody in front of guards and then literally jumping back into a, a bale of hay and sat the guards going where did he go no. where, where where did he go and I just waited. Oh, I guess it was nothing. And they like walk off, and I jump out of the hay, going, "Man, yeah, this is bad. That's bad." But it was funny. It was it was just one of those those funny things, right? Well, I have like a like a personal rule that I don't mind glitches and bugs and weird stuff like that in games as long as it doesn't break the game, right? Yeah, you know, like I remember playing Skyrim once, and I did like I did a quest out of order. I went into a cave that eventually I got a quest to go into. And I never could get rid of the quest marker. That is the kind of game-breaking bug that annoys me. But yeah, you know, jumping out and killing somebody and the guards not having any idea who it was, even though I'm standing right next to them, that's something that I just think is kind of cheeky and funny. It's not game-breaking for me. But you were right. You know, there are plenty of things in this game to build off of what we talked about in the first one. Yeah. The side missions. The stuff leading up to the targets, those were all so much better, in my opinion, in this one. It felt like every little thing you were doing was leading to these, well, bigger, these bigger battles. Even though they were repetitive, mm -hmm. in the sense of it was the same type of mission, it wasn't the same type of mission. Yeah. Like, there was different challenges that you came across. There was it, like it, it, it didn't feel as monotonous. Right. The world definitely felt a lot bigger mm -hmm. they they incorporated the side missions more into the story right too like i remember one of me having to go to a party yeah and i'm like i'm wearing the mask and i'm socially interacting and like one of the other assassins like dude you're not here to get laid you're here to <laughs> you know, do a job do your fucking job and you're like ah okay you know yeah because you start chatting up some hot chick like i remember actually I know this is bad, but I am a boy. Of right. course. This was the first game where I saw video game boobs. I don't because 
because when you first go to Mario's little villa yeah. mansion type deal, you hook up with a girl there. And like one of the starting cinematics is you getting dressed and she's like, oh, no, don't go. And it, the camera pans and then boom, there she is sitting there topless. And you're like, <gasps> <laughs> and I was it, it's really bad. But I was just like, oh, my God, they showed boobs in a video. game. Is that legal? <laughs> like. And it's funny. I don't remember that at all. I'm oh. not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying I don't remember that at all. Mind you, I'm I'm above adult age at this point, so I'm very <laughs> it's very immature of me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it, like I just I just remember that because even in like some of these missions, you you go into these places where there are like topless women just walking around and stuff. That's and, funny. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things that like it just I stuck re- with you. Yeah. Well, it was the first. Yeah. Like, uh, there's so many more games that I have played since then in which you see that. And I'm like, <laughs> anything called Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> I've never played any of those games. They're terrible. Stay away from them. And I mean, like, B movie terrible. Oh. I mean, they are almost home video porn. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would almost say you need to at least play one just to see how terrible it is, but I don't want you to waste your time on it. I'm It's that I'm weird good. kind of conundrum. I'm <laughs> no, I've, I've heard of them. I've, you know, of course uh, they've been around since the eighties. Oh my God. They're terrible. I, and I've heard of them and everything. I'm good. I'm not going to out anybody, but I know somebody who actually had those games. <laughs> is it the same person I know? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because there's another individual that you know oh. that I know has those games. Uh, no, I was going to say, I bet I know who that person is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in that, there were certain shops that you had to go to for certain mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah. Oh, God. I, and I'm trying to remember their name. And, of course, it's not coming to me. The medicine people that looked like ravens had yeah, the big Yeah, the, the old old-timey doctor guys. Yeah. There was the clothing merchant. You could get the different capes and the different dyes for your... Because that was, again, going back to the whole customization, customization. thing. You could change the color of your suit. You could change the, the kind of cape that you were wearing. And they came with, like, I don't want to necessarily say statistics, but they did, like, one was you... Like, you wouldn't get Additional noticed. stats. You wouldn't they get did. noticed as quickly by yeah. wearing the right cloak in the right they, area. They came with perks, I yeah. guess is the best way to yeah, put it. Yeah, not stats, but perks. I remember... And, like, if you wore the flag of auditory. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was, like, instant. Everybody instant. knows who you are. Instant. Yeah. Fucking guards would be like, kill him. Yeah, get him. <laughs> and, like, yeah. So they, they did different effects, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. Yeah. It was totally cool. The small things in this game like that were incredible. But before we get into those, let, let's talk about weaponry and combat system. Okay. Right? Like, let, let's, let's go through these things, right? So right. weaponry. You could pick up weapons. You could drop weapons. You Like, weapons would break. I remember that. If you were using a pole arm, mm-hmm. right, after a certain number of whatever, it would break and you would just basically throw it away and draw your longsword. Right. Or, like, you would, like, hit, like, oh, that's right, because you could use the big axes, hit somebody, like, in the chest with it, and then let it go. Yep. And then you would... That was its durability. Yeah. Now, okay, yep, yep, yep. Because yep, you could only use the temporary weapons for so long because mm-hmm. the temps tended to have i felt like better stats i i don't know actually because i've never you know i'm not a data miner or anything like that it just the way the the feel went right Mm -hmm. because you had broadswords too like some of these guards were carrying broadswords so you would pick up this big two-handed broadsword 
and you would swing it a couple of times and then boom yeah like you would plant it into somebody and then just let it go as it fell and mm. draw back out your long sword and and you couldn't like move very far with them i think right like yeah like if you tried to jump up or something you would end up dropping it like you either had to use it or you just had to walk around yeah but yeah you couldn't keep it basically no. well it wasn't designed to which i did mm-hmm. like yeah. like it was it was designed for in the heat of the battle you know this is how somebody's actually going to fight. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what I felt. Like, yeah. the, in a sense, the honorable fighting style of squaring off against one opponent was out the window. You're an assassin. You you do what it takes to survive. Yeah. Right? So, like, yeah, there were, there were all these different achievements with it. And I think it did it really, really well in the sense of there wasn't a lot of, if I remember correctly, where... I was 10 feet away and I swung the sword and I saw the guy go, Ugh! <laughs> you know, and it was like, come on. Or like I had to be right on top of them face to face in order to hit them. And they did incorporate a counter, a mm-hmm. parry yep. in this one, which I loved because again, of course, the fighting style of the time, a lot of parries, a lot of counters, like it tried to make it more realistic. And I think they did a really good job at it with the mechanics and everything they had at the time. For sure. I definitely feel like they did their homework. We're adding those good little additions. We're not going super over the top in any one real area. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're adding things that make sense, like you're saying. And yeah, I remember the the combat being fun. I remember, I remember yeah. liking the moments of when I got into the combat and was like, Oh cool. Now I get to kill. It didn't four feel or five. tedious. Yeah. It, it was, it, but at the same time, it didn't encourage it. No, you know, it was still was like, there was a good balance. It was, a, there was yeah. a good balance. And I, I like, I remember that, like there were certain challenges, like I said, that you had to complete. Where oh yeah. You had to do this or you had to do this or you had to you had to like kill a guard by pulling him into a bale of hay and, and stabbing him with your hidden blade and oh, yeah. stuff like that. Right. Because, yeah. So they definitely still promoted the self or the, the stealth aspect mm-hmm. of this game. I still enjoyed that. I, I liked the fact that it was no longer I'm not allowed to attack anybody. I'm not I'm not I'm not doing anything. Well, you could right? ride, you could ride your horse quickly this time. Yeah, that, that was the that thing, was a big thing. Right. That was huge. <laughs> and they also also did you just said it was it. way more open world though i remember uncovering the map a yep. lot more and it wasn't just i'm riding my horse from point a to point no. b and then uncovering that map there, there was a huge there was a, map there was one whole area that half of it was like open farmland yep but you even said it just a little bit ago you could pull a guy into the hay bale you could also jump out of the hay bale onto somebody and they had stealthy attacks and then aggressive attacks aggressive attacks they yeah. added stealth from above that wasn't in the first one stealth from below well, that wasn't in, in the this first game one. you could attack a lot more yeah in the first one it was all about Killing your target and then fleeing. The mm-hmm. only time that you used your hidden or your your basically your hidden blade was to assassinate. You mm-hmm. didn't use it in combat at all. Ezio does. Yeah. Your throwing knives you used mainly as a deterrent to stop people from rushing you, not as an actual attack or an opportunity to attack. Your short sword was used mainly for defense not attack in the first game it was all about stab your target run the fuck away Mm -hmm. in this one it still has that but now if you get into a situation in which i found myself in in the first game a shit ton six guards surrounding you in the first one you were done the combat system was not designed for you to be able to go okay block 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 attack 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 i've killed all six of these guards now i'm gonna run away no in this one, it was. It was very much a, 
I can kill two or three guards, start running, try and hide, or I can kill all six of them and just keep killing guards until... Until there's nobody left. Until there are no more guards left and I'm out of combat and I'm good to go. Like, there were so many different approaches that you could take to this, and I greatly loved that. It definitely... This was when they were, I think they were moving in the right direction of making you feel like somebody who is in this world can take care of themselves and can adapt to certain situations. You know, I don't like the addition of the gun, but that's just my personal preference. In all honesty, I I vaguely, vaguely remember. I don't think I ever used it because it was literally, it was one of those, you, you shot it. I remember this, you shot it and like Every fucking oh. guard in a 10 block radius went, bing, yeah. he's here. No, they... Like, Google Maps pinned me. Like, and no. they just... So, you get the gun, and then you have to use it on a guy who's on a boat during some fireworks. And you have to shoot him in time with the fireworks to cover the sound of the shot. Yeah. It's the only time I ever used it. Was well, in yeah, that moment have, that I had to. You have to After that, I, I was like, really? I'm I mean, done. yeah, I'm like, done. no, I just, and it just, it's like a little too much, a little too much innovation, I'll say. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would really definitely have to look it up to see when a style gun like that was invented. Mm-hmm. I knew they were around, like guns are super old. Oh yeah. Super old. Basically they had cannons. There was some form of a gun. Yeah. It may not have been the best, but there was some form of a gun. Yeah. And so that's like super refined and and, and everything it's tiny, like that. Yeah. yeah. And th- I don't feel like something like that was in that time span. I, I do feel, remember feeling like that didn't seem to fit in to me. Right? Like it. it I, I I mean I honestly I never even got that far in my thought process. I oh, just was I, I just got to the point I was like I don't want a gun. I'll <laughs> use it, but I don't want it. <laughs> Fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm gonna if I want to play a video game and shoot guns, I'll play you know Call of Duty or Halo. <laughs> We said guns, not not imaginary plastic toys that shoot light beams. That is also true. But anyway, we digress. Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm joking. I'm joking. The combat was great, mm-hmm. right? To go beyond that, we have the parkour system, yep. which now it's no longer just like, ooh, look, I can I can jump across these little little wooden structures and I can climb up this certain wall that only has these grips. It very much felt like it was vo- way more free flow. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more places. As you said, they spent the time to try and do the one-to-one scale. And with that, they also incorporated a lot more areas in which you could parkour successfully. Yeah. Not to say that there wasn't. <laughs> you know? No. There was a lot of times where I was running, I was running, and I, I run up these crates, and I jump up the wall, and I do nothing. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm fighting my way out of this one. No, they incorporate that in later games, the ability to climb up pretty much any surface. Any surface, yeah. But, no, and I think... This it, was the start of it, though. It I was. I really feel like this was the stepping stone. Yeah, because the next few games in the series, they all had the same feeling of, there's a lot of stuff you can climb on, but you can't climb on everything. And so, yeah, they you could see the beginnings of where they we're going to this whole idea of we are going to let you climb on basically whatever you want to. Yeah. You know, as long as, and even in the later games, there's still some areas where you have to shimmy around. Yeah. You know, you can climb up like one side of a wall, but then you get to a certain point and you got to move over to maybe like, the other side. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, you know, you can jump up a little bit more. But no, in this one, I thought they did a really great job. Yes, there are paths you can climb up a building, but you have to find it. You can't yeah. just climb up any, any side building, of the building. Any time. And that um, was a good balance to it. Yeah. They they did still stick with some classic. Yeah. 
you had your synchronization points, which mm. were, of course, the the eagle views, or they call them something special. Synchronization but, point. Yeah. yeah, but like he calls them. Oh yeah, something yeah. special, and I can't remember. But yeah, where you climb up to a tower, there's an eagle circling it and everything. Which from that point, right? Collectibles, mm-hmm. Easter eggs. Yep. There were so many of them in there this was game. Ton. Right, like you were talking about the capes. Yep. Not only could you buy them, but there was a lot that you had. There were certain things that you had to do to unlock them, mm-hmm. right? Like I said, the auditory cape. Yep. To unlock that, it was a collectible. You had to do. Do you remember what you had to do for that? Was it that? Was that the brothers' feathers? That was the brothers' feathers. Okay. There were all these like they felt really weird <laughs> because it was very much like a platformer where you have like a floating item <laughs> that's just like bobbing up and down. Yeah. Right. But it, like you saw this feather, and then you had to figure out what route you could take because again the parkour system was very limited in the hey you have to do this route Mm -hmm. right you had to figure out what route to take to get to that feather and if you collected all of them you unlocked the auditory cave yeah but there were other there were other little hidden things like when you went into like da vinci's workshop that you saw the beginning drafts of some of his inventions Mm -hmm. and you saw some of them actually being made and stuff like that but even to this extent of like when you're in florence Mm -hmm. one of the things that i really remember that really caught my attention because again I'm obsessed with Italy. They make reference to Dante, which by this point in time, Dante was dead. Yeah. Right. Like he, he'd been dead for almost a hundred years, but it doesn't mean that his influence hadn't gone away. Right. Mm-hmm. And as you're walking around Florence, you, you can visit Dante's house. You can <laughs> like, and there's certain references to that where I'm like, this is cool. This is super cool. I remember something about Dante's death mask. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but you could like you went into that structure, that that museum where it's at in Italy, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. No. But uh, you, you could, and mm. you could like you could see a case with with Dante's death mask in it. <laughs> Graphics still weren't the greatest. Yeah, they were definitely way better than what they used to be, but mm. they still weren't the greatest. But it like. It gave you some hints at stuff and everything. And I kind of, I appreciated that. Like, it wasn't just a, hey, here's what's going on in Italy at this time. It's, well, here's some of our history as well. Yeah. Here's some of this stuff in between that I really enjoyed as far as, like, the Easter eggs went and everything. Yeah. And then... Well, you were even saying, right? You go into Da Vinci's workshop and you can see some of his stuff. You end up using his flying machine in a scripted scene later on or a scripted sequence later on yeah and well and there's a whole dlc where you pilot it and stuff like that and you can do that as as many fucking times as you yeah. want and everything which that's cool i thought that was super cool but i remember that like you're flying around dropping bombs and i'm yeah. like you're the first bomber i even remember there was a challenge that you had to like swoop down and kick guards off of something yeah or you had to yeah, do yeah. it like four or five times i don't remember what, yeah, how yeah. many what it was but yeah and they incorporated these fun little things to do with these fun little sequences to do uh, get achievements and mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah no i as i said all of those except for the fucking one with the spear <laughs> but they were fun no they were they were really good uh and they definitely stepped up the assassins game mm-hmm. right yeah was, was there anything that i missed i I'm, I'm pretty sure we covered a well i mean i i did say this in the last one right i mean we're talking about all the improvements to it and in my opinion one of the things that uh, didn't get improved and yeah. they just stepped hugely away from were those targeted assassinations 
in those set environments, right? We talked last time about the guy at the party, the guy um, on the boat, on the boat, the guy at the hanging. So you had this big area that you had to just kind of sneak around in, get into a good position and attack these guys. Those were for me, the highlights of the first one. And I never felt that in this game. And, and that's and, probably my biggest gripe with it. Yeah. And, and I will give you that because I, I think in this one, you're right. They did step away from that a lot more. Mm-hmm. They were still there. You still had assassination, assassinations, but it, it wasn't as open right. where you planned the assassination. Like they tried to make it feel like you planned the assassination yeah. air quotes all over the fucking place. But it, it was very linear. Yeah. I just you showed up here. You found this guy. You had to wait for this conversation to happen. And then they were basically like, assassinate him now. Yeah, I never got um, that ex- exciting feeling of having to kill a primary target before. And like I said, then this is to me is what the problem is, is that if if the one that stands out the most is the one where I'm walking down the street and the guy I need to kill is walking towards me and then I just have to chase him. If that and shooting a guy on a boat are the two assassination missions I remember the most, that's why to me it's a failure. Not as a game, but as a as a concept of primary target assassinations, because those are the two yeah. that I remember the most. I don't remember you know again the guy on the boat the guy at the party the guy in the hospital where you have to sneak in with monks and you have to wait until all the time matches up and you can jump out from these guys and get this guy in the hospital right those those are the things i remember from the first one and i remember everything but that in the second and as we had a conversation in the previous podcast about the first game Mm -hmm. i see your point but at the same time i really did enjoy the fact that i didn't have to hunt for 45 fucking minutes to try and kill a guy. And I give you that. <laughs> like, in that first game, you, you're right. You had to wait for perfect fucking timing mm-hmm. on some of those missions. And you could wait a long time. Because it, it, it did try to do this free flow of, like, even the smallest fuck up. You dropped out of out of sync with those monks even for a second. And the guards went, hmm? What is that? Dude. And it threw the timing off. And then you would have to wait for it all to kind of, like sink back up again do you know how many times when i went to go get the guy at the party and i dropped down onto the balcony behind him how many times i jumped to too far to the left or too far to the right the guards spotted me and i screwed everything up and had to start it over again because you couldn't assassinate from above like you can in this one yeah and yeah you would spend all this time working your way around jump down land right next to him and be like well i just screwed that up let me point out (laughs) to you there was aggravation yeah in that sentence and that that's what I appreciate about them kind of taking a step away from that mm-hmm. because, dude, I got frustrated too. Yeah. And I just, I got bored. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm a dude with ADHD, man. <laughs> like, and I'm staring at the same little gray screen as I hide with monks for 45 fucking minutes waiting for this one dude to walk up. And then on top of it, if I assassinated the guard instead of him and oh, then went, oh, yeah. fuck, now I got to start this all over again? Mm-hmm. No, I was out. Yeah. I was, like, it. It killed me. Where this, there were some, like some of the side missions and stuff where you had to assassinate like minor characters. They weren't yeah. one of the main assassinations. I felt like you had more freedom with, but because you had that open combat style, a lot of people, and I'm guilty of it in some of these, instead of taking the time to just openly plot out like, okay, this is the route that he's taking. This is what he's doing. This is where I have to assassinate him Mm -hmm. because the game didn't penalize you. You could literally run straight up to him, 
shank him in the throat <laughs> in front of everybody. And then the guards would be like, get him. And then you would fight off the guards and run away. Yep. You didn't have to. But I don't think it took it away from me. No. I, like I said, even with all of my my dislike for the way that they did it, don't get me wrong, I still had a ton of fun. I mean, I remember just that, right? You assassinate a guy in a room full of guards, and I just run for the door, throw down a smoke bomb, the guards start coughing, I run <laughs> right past them, run right to the edge, and jump into the water. And done. You're and done. that's so cool. Well, and, and that's the thing, though. That's where I mean, like, I don't think they took away from that aspect. Mm-hmm. I think you went away from that <laughs> aspect. And it, just because the availability was there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you bag it, but did you try? Did, did you stand there and, and observe your target and watch him and go, okay, this is the route he takes. At this point in time, this is where I could assassinate him and not get caught, not get seen. And run away without killing a single fucking guard? Yeah. Did you? I don't... See, that's the problem, right? I don't remember that even being an option. That's my problem. I do. Yeah. Because I remember in the first one, you couldn't kill guards. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that was a big... That was one of the big issues. Unless if it was, like, during a part of the game where it kind of made it feel like, oh, yeah, absolutely, you could totally kill guards during Mm -hmm. this, right? You couldn't kill guards. So I would get really frustrated because, like, I would accidentally kill this guard or whatever, and it'd be like, Altair didn't do that. (laughs) Desync. And it was like, fuck me. Well, I mean, like, you know, you could get, like, the archers in the the party one and stuff like that. Yeah, but again, that was a moment in which Altair did that. So it was okay. But in this... There was none of that. No, this there, was there so much more freedom. So, like, I remember the first mission that I did, it was kind of like, okay, don't hurt the guards, don't hurt the guards, <laughs> don't hurt the guards. And then I think I want to say I went through, like, one or two missions where I did. I did plan it out. I, yeah. I, I went down, I planned it out, I killed him successfully, and then I ran the fuck away from the guards. I parried and dodged and everything, and I ran away. It wasn't until one of the later missions where I was trying to run away from the guard and I countered and attacked him and didn't realize, like, because, you know, there was only so much you could do, so much damage you could do before they died. Mm -hmm. And I I was trying to keep track of that in my head, right? Of this guard had this, this guard had this, this guard had this, which for whatever reason, it's one of my weird fucking superpowers. Like, I'm keeping track. And then I lost track of this one guy, hit him, he died, and, like, I stopped fighting. Yeah. Because I was waiting for the, Ezio didn't do that. Decent. But it didn't come. (laughs) And I was like, oh. And this is where I got bad. Where, hey, you have to kill this guy. He's walking down the street with these three guards. Done. (laughs) Full-fledged. Booked. Jumped. Stabbed. Went into his death speech. And came out. Killed the three guards. And ran away. And did exactly that. Jumped into a bale of hay. Jumped off into the water. You know, whatever. And it was done. I was Mm. like, oh my god. Yeah. That is so much easier. And so that was the way that I had, that's the new adoption that I took. Mm -hmm. So like, that's, that's why I asked because I don't think it went away. I don't think that aspect of gameplay went away. It just, they made it more free form. They made it more free form. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think you chose the easier of two (laughs) paths, right? The lesser of two weevils. So you bag on it, (laughs) but I'm just saying, I think it's still there. That's, that's, that's me. But. Yeah, they did do a lot of advancements and upgrades and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but What's... with that, right, I think that that basically covers everything. 
so with that back to the back to the main story right so yeah. Ezio goes he learns how to become an assassin he's learning how to become an assassin while he's going through and assassinating these targets he's getting upgrades from Leonardo da Vinci he ultimately finds out that the Spaniard right, right. is Pope Alexander the sixth right and he goes to kill him because by this point in time, of course, just like in the first one, mm-hmm. but I, this is where I feel like in the second one, it kind of felt, it, to me, it felt like a throw-in, right? Right. Because the main story of Ezio is his revenge mm-hmm. has nothing to do with Pieces of Eden. Yeah. Even the way that outside, Desmond and the the new people that you meet, which there's a crap ton of them. There's, um, yeah, I remember there's like a saucy girl and a British guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know the British guy's name is Chris. <sighs> is it really? I don't know. Okay. I, I was going wanted, to say, I, I was like, oh. I actually think it is, but <clears throat> I'm not 100% sure because the the list. No, of... it's Sean. Oh, Sean. Yeah, because it's it. Sean and Rebecca. That's it. Those are the two people. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm going through a list of characters that you meet in this game, and it is forever long. Because there's a lot. There's a lot of historical characters that you meet even if it's just for an instant or whatever and then there's in in the list database that i have in front of me as we go (laughs) through this they also go through the fake history of some of the made-up characters right right so like federico auditori which is your father they go through his fake history he's he's not he's not a real person (laughs) as you're going through this then all of a sudden you find out okay well the Spaniard is looking for pieces of Eden, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? Right. Because Templars be Templars in this series. What, what? <laughs> Throw up the tea. So he he's looking for pieces of Eden, and that's where you discover the apple, mm-hmm. which the last we knew, the apple was with Altair. Mm-hmm. And he hit it. But if you remember, when he activates it, it, it whole world illuminates, and you see all these little dots. Yeah. So I was kind of like, is this the same one? Is this a different one? Like, who knows? Right? Yeah. Because it doesn't make it clear at that point which one's what. Mm-hmm. But you know the Spaniard's looking for it. You confront him and he escapes. And in his escape, he ends up escaping with the apple. Or no, I don't think he does escape with the apple. Wait, are you talking about the fight? No, no, because the fight okay. happens later. The fight happens after Ezio becomes a full-fledged assassin. Because up to this point, like, all these missions, he's not an assassin. He ends up getting into arguments with Mario, if you remember, about, like, when do I become an assassin? When do I become an assassin? And Mario's <laughs> like, when you're ready, Luigi. When you're ready. Um, the first time you find out he's armed with the papal staff. No, I, I'm sorry. This is... Okay, so yeah. So he does have the apple. He retreats to Rome. Okay. Right? right. Vatican City. <clears throat> And he becomes the Pope. Mm-hmm. And so you go there, full plan to retrieve the apple. Mm-hmm. And you start fighting him, and he's armed with the papal staff. And that's when you find out that that in itself is also a piece of Eden. This is the first time, of course, granted it's only like the fourth game if you include the two for the handheld systems. Right. That you you learn that there are other artifacts of Eden that aren't just a sphere. That isn't just this apple. Like this staff is an artifact of Eden. It's a piece of Eden. And he reveals his intentions to unlock the vault. And he needs both the staff and the apple, right? Mm -hmm. And so you you start fighting him. And I remember I actually had a really tough time with that battle because he's able to alter time, isn't he? 
all I remember is that you're just fist fighting with an old man. You are, but like, you're not like stabby stabby shank shank. No, it's a it's a fist fight. It's it is a, a fist legitimate fight. fist fight. It's not even exaggeration. Um, he ends up escaping. And Ezio ends up with the apple, right? Mm-hmm. And as a reward, Mario, along with all these other little assassins that you meet throughout the game, right? basically formally go, hey, we're going to hold the ceremony. You're now an assassin. One of us. One of us. Which I fully can't remember. I, I want to feel like there was a brand involved and all this other stuff, but I, I, I can't remember. I just remember it was like them standing in this weird tower with the assassin symbol on it. I think you're right, right? Don't they put the assassin symbol like on his forearm or something? And yeah. then you cover it up with the hidden blade? With the hidden blade. That sounds funny. Because um, he no longer has to lose his yeah, cause... ring finger, which was the... Like... Right. We Yeah, we touched on that. Like, was it pledging fealty was it functional a little bit of both yeah yeah well granted if you're super curious about it there's like two or three youtube videos by these guys who like really go into the in-depth of like hey this is how the hidden blade works would they really need to lose their ring finger in order to use this weapon in combat and like how Ezio used it and so on and so forth and it, it, it's very interesting and it's still a widely debated thing to this day of is it exactly that is it is it like hey is this a loyalty thing or is it a if you don't use this if, if you have your ring finger this is what will happen yeah which granted in later games right mm-hmm. you do find out the answer to at least part of that as far as the game lore goes yeah in origins like, I don't know if you played Origins. But oh, yeah. Yeah, in Origins is when you figure it out. He does that. He becomes a, a member of the Assassins. That's when they go into the final memory. Sorry. sorry. So this the original fist fight was not in Vatican City. It wasn't. It wasn't in... Uh, I thought it was. No, it wasn't in Vatican City. Because in the final memory, he's now secure in his position as Pope Alexander VI, right? Mm-hmm. And Ezio infiltrates Vatican City during Mass. And that's when he beats him in a fist fight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think the original one, he dressed as a soldier. He confronts Rodrigo to help him transport the Apple of Eden to Rome. And then armed with the papal staff, which turns out to be a piece of... Rodrigo reveals his intention to unlock the vault, a chamber he believes to contain great power. He manages to escape, and then that's when Ezio ends up with the Apple. So in in the last memory is when he confronts him as Pope Alexander which he infiltrates during mass and beats him in a fist fight. But rather than killing him and like completing his revenge, Mm -hmm. mind you, this is the guy who orchestrated his family's whole like fucking pitiful like existence at this point. Yeah. He basically realizes this isn't going to, this isn't going to win me anything, Mm -hmm. right? Like this isn't going to make me feel better. He lets him live, which is like, I remember because again, Pope Alexander VI is a real person, and he does not die in this time period, which I have marked as 1499. Yeah. Pope Alexander doesn't die until, like, the 1500s? Yeah, 1503. I was like, no. No. <laughs> like, so far, up until this point, they've been pretty historically accurate with a lot of these things, right? So, like, no. <laughs> and, yeah, so Ezio actually lets him live. and um, But that's when he combines the apple and the staff. And he opens up the vault, which as he walks inside of it, I like, I remember you see all these like little glyphs. Like mm-hmm. if you remember in the, in the first podcast, we talked about the glyphs in the room and how they were done by subject 16, subject 16. <laughs> Thank you. That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. You see a bunch of those, but this time they activate and 
this blue woman dressed very very elaborately yeah right like it it, 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 it reminded me uh very much of like ancient roman ancient greece toga robes weird headdress but i but i feel like a little bit more than that because like it it looked like a little bit more technologically advanced i was about to say yeah there's like a there's definitely like a sci-fi vibe to it though yeah but very much the the roman god goddess type Mm -hmm. feel to it and of course she introduces herself as minerva which is the roman god of wisdom which for those who don't know roman gods and only know greek ones this is athena yeah and she begins talking. And I remember Ezio is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Because he's not aware at the time, but she is, that Desmond is listening. Yeah. God, right? I just thought that was so cool, right? I thought it was like, it, really? Because then it made me start to wonder, is this is this a pre-recorded thing mm-hmm. that she saw into the future? Yeah. Or is it a living thing? Because it, I, re- I remember it made me question it more in later games because it made me majorly feel like this wasn't pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Th- this was something that was happening in the moment. Yeah. And it was. It was super cool. I was like... <sighs> oh, man. I This was the moment that, for me, all the, the, the overarching story, right? Because uh, right up until this point, all that it is is Desmond is caught in between the Templars and the Assassins, and he's helping the Assassins try to prevent the Templars from getting this. This dropped a huge bomb on the overarching story and plot that blew my mind and made me 100% solid into these games, figuring out, like, finding out what's going on. The the mystery beyond, mm-hmm. right? Me too, because, like, we spoke about it a little bit, and we weren't too sure, and I, I did confirm it during my research for this one. Glitches were in this one. Mm-hmm. I think you said the same thing. Like, you, you figured out glitches were in this one, and those glitches unlocked little scenes, and you didn't fully understand them yeah. until you unlocked all of them. And it, it literally, it is two people, two humans yep. that are running. They're yeah. escaping from something. And you see, like, this very futuristic society, mm-hmm. very advanced. And they end up, both of them, one of them's holding the apple. Actually, the female is holding the apple. And they end up standing on top of this wall and looking over the horizon, right? And Mm -hmm. then they look at each other, and that's where the scene ends. Yeah. And you very much got the feel, this is Adam and Eve. This is Adam and Eve. They're escaping Eden. Yep. And Eve has the apple. Yep. But you didn't understand it until this point, right? Because you could unlock that movie Mm -hmm. before you got to this point. Yep. This is where Minerva basically explains it, where she's like, hey... I'm a god, like straight up. We existed. We fucking created you. You're our bitches. But you rebelled. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's 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 straight up how it is. And unfortunately, you're the only thing that remain because my civilization and who I am, like I'm already dead. Yeah. Which is a part of what made me go, well then, but how? <laughs> like this is too free flowing to be a free recorded thing, right? And the whole time that's he was like who are you talking to? <laughs> like, it's just me here. And like, cause she says Desmond. Mm-hmm. I remember she says Desmond. He's like, Desmond, who the hell is Desmond? Yeah. So she like explains all of this, that like her civilization was wiped out by an unknown catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Right. So the survivors of her race ended up joining forces with the slaves that they created, all of which are survivors from this thing Yeah. to build 
basically this network of vaults and everything so that they could help save future civilizations from this happening again. Like, that's how I understood it. Yeah. She tells basically Desmond that, like, this is your fate. Yeah. Right? Which I always hate. And that's a personal thing. Because you're adopting the, the reality of no matter what choices you make, you're always destined to end at the same place in the same way at the same time doesn't fucking matter free will is not a thing <laughs> and that's how i that's how i view it right? um, and that's basically what she's telling him is like hey so yeah this is your fate you have this power to like stop this shit from happening again and i'm telling you this so that you can yeah oh but i can't tell you everything bye <laughs> and disappear do you know what it reminded me of what it reminded me of the never-ending story there is a huge Co- a correlation I have between these two things, right? Because okay. if you remember the movie, The NeverEnding Story. God, dude, I saw that movie so long ago. So you're going to have to like. So Sebastian is reading this book. And yeah, at, yeah. And at the end of it, Atreyu goes to meet. The, Which is the Indian boy. Yes. Yeah. Um, goes to meet the Empress. And she's like, there is another person here with us. He's been with you on this whole journey from the beginning. He doesn't realize he's been with you. And she is talking to Sebastian through, through the book through the book yeah and is saying you know the imaginary worlds all of us we're all being destroyed but you can bring us back and all this other kind of stuff and i looked at this and when i remember being this and i was like this is the never-ending story like and, and not you know well, not one verbatim one. yeah but no it's, but it's it's very much that like it and it's it, it's i think it's closer than ugh. that to that one-to-one than you might think actually because it, it, just sitting here thinking about it yeah it well and it gives me chills to think about the plotting in the story of you are a person controlling a you know going through a journey with another person who meets somebody who knows that the original person is being a part of the journey like i just love it i love stuff like that well and it's, it, it is really cool because mm-hmm. she does and like when she goes away basically telling him like you need to fulfill this process prophecy yeah it leaves both him and Ezio like what wtf mate <laughs> and then that's it boom it, you, desmond pops out mm. of the animus right which he does a couple of times of course it, it's it, desmond is very much like the first game right where right. a majority of the game is actually about Ezio, but you still have yeah desmond's story and I, i'm with you this is the first one where it really made me go well i want to know desmond's story mm-hmm. like i didn't give a fuck about desmond in the first game <laughs> In all honesty, I didn't really give a fuck about Altair either. (laughs) It was interesting enough that it made me go, well, let's see where this goes. But Mm -hmm. if they didn't make a second game, I wasn't going to cry in my pillow at night. You know what I mean? This game did. If you do not make another game (laughs) after this, I'm going to go to Montreal and I'm going to boycott Ubisoft <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to cry out in front of your door until somebody comes out and like wraps me in a freaking Altair cloak and be like, or a Ezio cloak and be like, it's okay. Come on inside. We'll give you your answers. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you everything that we had planned. Like we didn't know you were such a hardcore fan. <laughs> and I would look at him. I'm not. I just want to know the end. I don't know about you. I don't remember fucking anything about Desmond's story. Really? Well, I mean, you know, I guess I remembered that he was a bartender. I remembered that he came from a family of assassins, but he was kind of hiding away from it. I remember that 
But I, I mean, in this game. Like, oh, and no, in, in he, the, he escapes in the van. No, they're in, in a, a safe house. Yeah, he this, pops out. I think you kind of get the feel that his dad is still alive and kind of pulling the strings behind all of this. But I'm not even too sure on that. No, it, this was more um, for Desmond. This was more about be, learning how to be an assassin because that's the parallel to Ezio's well, story. So yeah, when you pop out, I remember you pop out and you like run around the warehouse and you do different things. You know, well because that's the yeah, and that's it because mm-hmm. after she talks to him he pops out and they're basically like well what does this mean what and he learns that the assassins have detected like weird fucking things with the magnetic field on earth right Mm. which basically they're like well a solar flare scheduled to pass and if we get hit by this solar flare we're fucking done we all dead yo yeah we're toast yeah which I kind of remember because, of course, this was this was I call the like 2000 to 2010 the end of days time <laughs> period for us, right? Like every other month, it was the Aztec calendar ends in 2012. Yeah. We're gonna die then, and Y2K, Y2K, and this and that, and like it, it was world-ending stuff was big. Yeah, it was just a constant. Everything was going to end the world, right? Right. So, of course, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, solar flare. That makes sense. We, I haven't heard that one yet. Like, yep. Yeah. I and say. I, I honestly think, like, <laughs> after this game came out, I remember reading in a newspaper about how scientists were tracking solar flares to see if we could prepare for the next one from destroying the Earth. <laughs> and I laughed so hard. I think I peed a little. Because <laughs> I'm just like, of course. Of course, like... Well, keep in mind, right? This was this was 2009? Yeah. Right? The same year that the movie 2012 with John Cusack came out. Oh, yeah. You know, we also had... Um, That's my boy, John Cusack. <laughs> uh, Armageddon, yeah. right? Yeah, with meteors. Yeah. I mean, granted, that, that came out, you know, like 10 years previously. But, do you, but going back to the same thing, right? When that it came out, that everybody period, was talking about... It was this in Deep Impact. Um, Everyone was talking about asteroids was, hitting the Earth. Who was that philosopher that, like, fucking... He, he came out with a fucking 13 million different predictions and, like, a couple of them came true. So everybody was like, oh, my God, he said this, he <laughs> said this, and it's... Um, I believe you're talking about the Simpsons. No, 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 no. That's uh, that dude's that dude's a time traveler. That's different. <laughs> oh, okay. That's that's different <laughs> because the Simpsons never predicted the world ending. Uh, see, okay. see. So we should have known from that, right? Right. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry, but like, yeah, it was a lot of shit. But yeah, but sh- like, he jumps out. They're talking. Shortly after that is when Abstergo finds them. Yeah, Vidic right? comes back. Oh, Vidic, how I missed thee. And he's got this huge team, and they basically, they're forced to leave the Animus. Mm -hmm. And they basically flee, and then hop in their little little fucking white panel van, and drive off. And I think, actually, maybe that's when she tells him, that's when the the game ends. Yeah, that's pretty much it, is that the first civilization died, presumably by another solar flare. Which is what they're, from what she says, and given what's going to about to happen, is kind of what they're, two and two equal four. Yeah, and yeah, and that's it. It's that, hey Desmond, guess what? You have the ability to stop the world from ending, and credits. It's your fate. Yeah. And, dun, dun, dun. But uh, but also I mean again right when you're when you are evacuating the facility it is important to note that Desmond is now a badass assassin like he is oh, so yeah. much more confident he fights so well. Well, he they do definitely make him because like in I, I 
in the beginning of the game, the way that you move, the way that you hide, the way like all of that is very much Altair. Mm. Like you can feel it. It is very much Altair. At the end of the game, the way that he moves, the way that he fights, the way that he dodges, all of that, the confidence that he has, it is fucking Ezio 100%. Yeah, it's all Ezio. Which, it drives me nuts. (laughs) Because, like, to me, that's like, well, it takes out who he is as a person, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's not Altair. He's not Ezio. He's his own individual. So even though he's learning it this way, the way that he adopts it and molds it and shapes it because just the fact that you see the differences between the two and even in the game you see differences between the other assassins that he comes across and the way that they move and fight they don't make him unique it's basically like yeah you're some fucking carbon copy that we created you know like <laughs> yeah. and i it it bugs me because it doesn't give portray any of his personality i'm interested in the first civilization I'm not interested in Desmond. No. He is a carbon copy of whoever that game's about at the time. And I absolutely have to agree with you that the more these games go on, Desmond is the person we inhabit, but he's probably the least interesting thing going on. I'm more interested in Altair finding out what the Apple of Eden is. I'm more interested in Ezio's rise and through the assassination ranks. And his revenge. And his revenge, revenge and everything. Yeah. And him and then even him in the later games doing those things, right? I'm I'm never really one hundred percent behind all the outside the animus stuff. Which want to be perfectly honest, makes sense because the games are about being in there, being these Cool assassination. But at the same time, if you're going to add an outside storyline, fucking do something better with it. Well, it's, I think they do enough. So like, okay. It's not captivating. Well, I think it depends on what type of person you are. Because as you're, as you're going around, right, you're reading emails, you're finding out other information, Mm -hmm. you're learning what happened presently in it. And granted at this time period, right? Right. What you said, 2009, I when this came was, out? Yeah, yeah, 2009. So let's see here. In 2009, I was 21. Okay. So alcohol was my buddy. <laughs> there were certain aspects of video games that I didn't learn to appreciate. I, when I talk about being able to read of the history of these people, mm-hmm. I didn't do that in this playthrough, my original playthrough in 2009. I did in subsequent playthroughs where I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Look at all this stuff. Because then I became more interested in the less like in your face details that these guys did reading those emails you really start to read they've been tracking abstergo they've been monitoring this before lucy tells you about the solar flare you can read about it Mm. there's all of these other little details that are outside of the animus that if you really read them and kind of get into them right right i think they add a little bit more to the storyline later on Mm -hmm. but it's still to me that doesn't make desmond himself a great character. Right. It just makes outside of the animus more interesting. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. And we'll get into this. In Black Flag, as much as it was kind of a nuisance to go from that third person over the shoulder view to a first person view when you were outside of the animus, mm-hmm. right? I enjoyed it because I really got to look in all these weird little places and right. try and be sly about what I'm doing to find out all these weird little things because there's all this information out there. Mm -hmm. And I I think that added to it. In in my mind, once I got to the point where I was paying attention to what the fuck was outside of the Animus, Mm -hmm. I got a little bit more interested in going outside of the Animus. But up until that, I was just like, fuck it, dude. I just want to jump. And you could. Like, you could not do any of that. You could literally just go out of it and then be like, you're going to stretch your legs for a little bit and be like, no, fuck you, and jump right (laughs) back in. And there was a lot of times where I did that because... 
again, to me, Inside the Animus was far more interesting. Yeah. And I, I will uphold, it still is to this day. I just mean outside of the Animus, when you look at those things, when you read those things, and you really pay attention to what's going on and everything like that, and you start understanding a lot more, mm -hmm. those become super interesting as well. I just don't feel like his part in Outside of the Animus was as big in this game as it was in the first one. There is no Subject 16. Right. That dude fucking disappeared off the face of the planet in this game. There's no bleed over effect in the sense of like you see ghosts and shadows and haunted house type deal. Right. Right. None of that in this one. So it was good well, with a lot of what they did. But outside of it, I think they kind of dumped it down a lot. You did get a weird vision at some point, right? About <laughs> wasn't there something about Altair getting it on with that? chick who was the templar but she was in with the assassins oh. wasn't there like a whole weird sequence where you saw that going on yeah i remember or like some sort of baby or something like that i remember yeah. i remember you see them running around on like a castle wall or something and then they like literally have a roll in the hay yeah something like that but you're right i mean but again to get to your point yeah i think they did a more streamlined way of kind of getting through things because ideally what they're trying to do is they're trying to train desmond to be an assassin through that bleeding effect where stuff that happens in the animus when you're reliving these memories stays with the person who's doing it that's why you get the eagle vision at the end of the first game it's why subject 16 went crazy so yeah desmond is able to remember the assassin training through this bleeding effect that's yeah. why he's able to do it but i do remember there being something about altair meeting that that chick and them like because i remember that now moment. That, now that you bring it up i remember it yeah but i but again if you never mentioned it it wouldn't have been something that stood out to yeah me. because no. really all it did was be like oh so this is how altair is connected to Ezio, which is how desmond is able to relive it no yes no it does not say that at all one, you automatically assume that they're connected because Desmond's able to relive it, but it's not necessarily to say that Altair is connected to um, Ezio because Desmond also has a mother, motherfucker. Well, and it could have been through a separate strand that Ezio was part of. I'm not necessarily the same the same family line as Altair. All it proves is Altair had a baby. I again, you're right, right? Like you, you can assume obviously Altair had to have children for this whole thing to work. Yeah, but this just kind of solidifies it. So there's and no same question. thing with Ezio, mm -hmm. like which which you do learn he he did have a family, but it's mm -hmm. yeah. So, it, hey, it, it was it was a weird sequence for me. Like now that you brought it up, but mm -hmm. again, it's not something that I would that stuck in my head as oh my god, this is relevant, this is important yeah. because I didn't feel that way, right? But just because you didn't feel that way doesn't mean somebody else didn't want it. Fair enough. Whatever. <laughs> just like how somebody who liked specific style of missions in one game and didn't feel like they got it might just be because a difference they didn't of opinion. Maybe just because it's a difference of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is all good. Which is all good. Now, there was other one other thing. I I didn't necessarily play them. Um, but there were two DLCs that came out with this. Yeah, I was going to say, you brought up the handheld games, which we're not going to do discussions on. And yeah, and then the DLCs, yeah. Which, uh, there was the Battle of Forli and Bonfire of the Vanities. There was also like a Templar's Lair that I want to say came out in the Deluxe Edition and Game of the Year Edition. So it wasn't necessarily a DLC at the time. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the Complete Edition that came out, you had a bonus skin which came with other custom dies for your characters. 
I didn't necessarily play him. Battle of Florally is exactly that. Rebecca repairs a computer patch that allows you to go into sequence 12. Because if you remember, as you go through, they were mm. there were different sequences right. that you had to was, had to go. Yeah, into. Sh- the short version for chapters, like in well, other games. It, but it made it like um, we're going to jump through his timeline so that you can learn specific things from him at specific points. In yeah, time, there's huge as he was learning. There's things. big jumps in Ezio's timeline because yeah, that's what they were doing. It yeah, was all about training Desmond. Yeah. Flory's under attack. It was just after Ezio recovered the apple. Machiavelli actually pay, plays a bigger part uh, in this one, all right, from what it go. seems like. Again, I didn't really play it, but it, it's about these brothers who are attacking Flory, and they try and take the apple, and all, Ezio gets it back. It's just a little little one-chapter mission. Good old deal. fun DLC at the time. Yeah, and then um, Bonfire of the Vanities was sequence 13. That takes place in Florence. It doesn't add a whole lot to the story, mm-hmm. to the overarching story. Um but they do look like fun little missions. They're included now in the Ezio trilogy that you can get. Um, and then the the Templar's Lair is just uh, three dungeons that are platforming puzzles, which that's kind of cool. Like mm-hmm. if you're into pa- platforming puzzles, that sounds like a fun little DLC. But I, I didn't play them. I can tell you I, I did look up on them, but I, I didn't see anything that was relevant to the storyline or changes in the gameplay or anything like that. So yeah, if I ever go back and play through the Ezio trilogy again, which I probably will, I loved the games. I really did. Yeah. Despite some of the problems that people had with the next two coming up, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed them. I'll, I'll probably play through them, but right now they're not. Well, I was going to say, we didn't talk about the reception and I'm looking at it. The reception. Yeah. Team Xbox gave it a 9.5 out of 10. IGN was oh, a 9.2. The rating. OneUp.com. I think that was the one that you one said up. you like. Yeah. Uh, was an A minus. Uh, really, Edge gave it an 8 out of 10. And Metacritic for it on the PC is an 86 out of 100. But everything else is. Oh, GameSpot on PC gave it an 8 out of 10 too. But everything else is 9 well, out of 10, so 5 like, stars. The PC version came out. A year later? Yeah. In 2010, I want to say. So it, it mainly stayed on consoles first, and it was definitely designed to be a console game. Mm-hmm. But this was at the time period where they were taking a lot of those console games, and they were making PC versions Yeah, of they them. were porting it over. Yeah. And a lot of them, they didn't hold up because, let's be real here, PC gameplay is way different than console gameplay. Yeah. Like, the, the controller versus a keyboard and mouse creates different game mechanics and a different flow system. And if you don't do those controls over correctly, it can feel kind of clunky, which is why I think the the PC versions of these games, because mm-hmm. it is, like, if you look, it's the PC version is the one that got, for the most part, lower scores. Like, Edge rated it an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. But out of all of them, that's, that's the lowest score. Yeah. Most of them, I would say, are probably in the... It's a 9.3 average yep. out of 10. But yeah, I liked it. You know, at, at the end of the day... If you put a gun to my head and said, would you play this game again? I would tell you to put away the gun. I'll play it for free. Like, <laughs> Right. right. Like, this is a weird situation we found ourselves in. Yeah. I, I don't know why you're making me play this game, but I'm not going to say no. Yeah. Because it was fun and it, it was an enjoyable time period. And I think they represented it very well. And you're right. They tried to do it with the first game as well as far as the one-to-one scale. Mm-hmm. But the problem with the cities that they were doing it in in the first one is... There has been a lot of destruction. Yeah, there's a lot of changes. A lot of changes to those cities, where in these ones, not so much. No, they really... And they did a really good job on those main historical buildings, Mm -hmm. right? Boom, here they are, right there in your face. And it was pretty cool. Yeah. So, I liked it. I'd play it again. 
Yeah, and I feel the same way again. I mean, I I was really looking forward to it coming out. I had a few gripes with it, which again are all subjective, apparently. Yeah, they are. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the, again, at the end of the day, this is something that, you know, I mean, either you like the style of game, and if you do, this just builds on what originally was in the first one and made it um, a lot more open, a lot more free-flowing. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I don't need somebody to pressure me into playing it again i would definitely do it i mean i got a little bit of a dead spell until cyberpunk comes out at time of recording so going through and talking about these it got me that itch to play through them all again so i think that's about it i think so too Alrighty. so i just wanted to thank you guys for coming in and listening i'm chris i'm caleb and until next time game, game on, on. Thanks for listening to Game On, presented by No Tokens Required. The opinions expressed in this discussion are those of the hosts and may not reflect the opinion of No Tokens Required. No Tokens Required is not affiliated with the electronic entertainment discussed in this podcast. The properties mentioned in this podcast are the intellectual properties of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Game On is an exclusive podcast of No Tokens Required created in 2020. No part of this podcast may be used in any way without written authorization from No Tokens Required.